Hello, this is Big Red, and you're listening to the Big Red for America show. So nice to be back. I'm here with my producer, Mark. Uh, after a little bit of a hiatus, we've decided to come back and just have one of our dialogues again about some of these pressing issues uh, facing the country today. Say hello, Mark. Hello, it's good to be back. It's been a couple months since I've been on, on the show, I think. Maybe two or three, I would guess. Always great. Always nice to have you you on appreciate uh your viewpoints a little bit different than i think i would than what i would yeah. say so it's great to that's important that's important nowadays to have those even if it's the same kind of arena but uh, have the different views talked about absolutely so i think we've kind of had some different ideas of what to talk about today i think we'll start off first with the student loan forgiveness plan biden recently announced that i think applications are now up that you can start applying for student loan forgiveness he did end up going through with ten thousand dollars worth of forgiveness the timing is of course very suspect um, this close to the midterms but you know it's never never let a political crisis go to waste especially as biden is sinking further and further um into political obscurity yeah it's uh if you look at what he's doing, it's definitely timing's kind of strange. But at the end of the day, um, the student loan forgiveness is basically a tax on on every blue collar person that didn't go to college. So what over half of the U.S. So the question is going to be, is it a really poor move? Because a lot of those blue collars are going to see that their stuff's like it's not fair. It's just, there's no way that it's not a fair system. Um, the way he's doing it now, I do think there is a way to do student loan forgiveness that would be fair, but the way he's doing it is basically saying, doesn't matter what your degree is, doesn't matter what you went to school for, doesn't even matter what your job is. And mm -hmm. actually, the numbers he has right now for the student loan forgiveness, like the amount of income you'd have, is kind of outrageous because it's not as if these people that he's allowing okay. to forgive student loan are are poor you know middle or lower income Americans he's saying like a hundred thousand dollar income now the the poor society or the lower income are not making fifty thousand dollars a year let alone a hundred thousand dollars a year so the idea that he's doing this to help out the the middle class and the lower class is is just it's just not true it's a it's a blatant lie and the idea he's doing this to help out yeah, to, to help out the side has nothing to do with the midterms like you said that's there's no way you can count that timing he's basically buying votes uh, totally you know i would almost be yeah. insulted i'd almost be insulted at, at this point you know i i get it he kind of waited a little bit nancy i remember nancy pelosi saying oh that's not something biden can do that has it's going to have to be an act by congress but lo and behold um biden yeah. comes out and then rolls out this this plan so i would be insulted like oh you could have done this at the beginning but now you waited for you know two years before you decided to roll out this plan i would definitely find that insulting yeah and i think he knows it's not really legal but he knows that there's no way for anybody to interact him on it uh, even though there are some legal battles out there right now there's actually a really good podcast i was listening today on one of my flights that was um uh ted cruz's podcast so the verdict with ted cruz and he talks very specifically about why he doesn't think this is going to get overturned in the courts. Um, mm. And it's interesting because he is a pretty well-versed law scholar. I mean, Supreme Court, all that stuff. But he uh, he basically goes through that legally there's not much you can do to prove 
anything where it'll cancel the student, the, the debt forgiveness that he wants to do. So it's probably going to go through from what I can tell. And then the way they rush it, like right now they have the application um, out there so you can apply for it. So if they start giving student loan forgiveness now, I, I don't think you can stop that from happening once it's started. No, as soon as that as soon as that first person gets the ten thousand dollars worth of relief, um, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a snowball. You're not going to be able to try to try to stop that, you know, because then the people who didn't get it in time, of course, are going to complain, and then uh, and then it'll be a whole nother issue of you know like equal protection and stuff like that. So it's just going to be an absolute yeah. disaster. And the truth is too is it's not the first student loan forgiveness he's done. It's. Uh... He, he actually has forgiven a lot of student loan forgiveness already and no one talks about it, but it's all for government employees. So he's basically benefiting the people that work for him. So it's kind of like, like it, it, if you look into it, the stuff he's already forgiven. Um, basically, it doesn't matter your degree is if you work for the government, they'll just give back your student loans. So he's turning it into a, a lack of a better word, a socialist society where work for the government you're good if you don't work for the government we're going to screw you with taxes we're going to screw you with this and that's basically how he's looking it seems like that's how he's looking at it and i forget who where i heard this from i feel like it was from economist thomas soul but don't quote me on that but um that these when you have a high level of degrees useless degrees that we're seeing like right now with a lot of these uh like for example gender studies like in in a, an economy in a market economy there's no demand for that degree at all so you are by default uh all of that extra supply of these people coming out with all this debt they can't get a job the natural streamline for these people is back into the the arms of the governments and especially if the government's going to bribe them with uh, uh forgiveness so the government can uh kind of artificially even increase the number of bureaucrats just by this process of getting non-profitable degrees and encouraging people to get these non-profitable degrees and you hinted that hinted at that a little bit at the beginning where you know biden doesn't care what kind of degree you got it doesn't have to be a useful degree it can be an absolutely useless degree yeah, but, and that's kind of how he's buying votes, right? Is because it's so blatantly obvious. It doesn't matter what you do or what your degree is or where you even went to school or anything. It's just like a blatant forgiveness. Now, there's nothing like that ever in history or any time that's ever been done. And it just doesn't seem appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I went to Harvard and became a doctor and had $200,000 in debt, and I'm, let's say I'm just out of school, I'm not yet making the money that a doctor or that maybe two years into it i can get twenty thousand dollars for you depending on the loan i have mm -hmm. um, or i could be a, a student let's say that does women's gender ballet studies or something like that and and i can get the same amount forgiven but let's say i get out of college and i go work for the tech making two hundred thousand dollars a year like there's no even playing field on how they're grading it it's just like Mm -hmm. here's an income so it doesn't make much sense on kind of where where the line like it seems like it was something that they were searching reddit forms and searching web, <laughs> and they were like oh this is a good idea we should do this like there wasn't much thought put behind it no um, no and absolutely not um you know flipping through not that these are exact percents um by any by any stretch but i have here cnbc says that 50% of all student debt 
like gross is held by graduate students so students who don't who have a more than a uh, bachelor so a master's or a doctorate so those account for 50 percent of all student debt and like you said earlier we're really going to have blue collar workers pay for your doctorate in gender studies or your doctorate in medicine so while you're working for that first year and not making over one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, you're going to get that forgiven like that is going to transfer over to the blue collar workers he just he he pins it as in like i'm helping the middle class where most of this money is going towards those with advanced degrees beyond beyond bachelors and then senator warren says that 40 percent of people who have student loan debt don't even have a college diploma so between the 40 percent of people according to senator warren that don't have a diploma and the 50 percent that have an advanced degree beyond a bachelor's i mean that's 90 percent of the people that have student loan debt right there now i don't know if those numbers actually end up correlating but it's interesting when you think about it. Why are we paying for people who didn't get a degree? And then why are we paying for people with an advanced degree? Because in theory, with a doctorate or a master's, you should make enough money to be able to pay off your own student loans. Yep. And then as you mentioned, just basic economic incentives. If you if you set that where it's basically guaranteed you're going to get $10,000 student loan or anything, that's just going to drive colleges to raise the prices of schools. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fix anything. It doesn't fix the problem with the, which there is a problem with college costs and things along those lines. I mean, that's just, it's kind of like the, the healthcare system. There's definitely an issue with the way it is currently, but the way to fix it is not pumping money into it and basically saying, okay, now you guys can, again, raise the cost of school, make it unattainable. So no one can actually use it the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like the way he's moving. So, so you talked about that you have a different way that we could maybe do student loan forgiveness. And I think this would be really interesting to kind of flesh out. So what are your thoughts about like alternative ways to, to deal with this crisis? Yeah. So my idea is pretty simple, but you have the colleges paid for it. And, um, this is, this is what I would say. Anybody who has, and the issue becomes what the time frame would be for kids who went to for the, the colleges. But basically, if you went to a college and you got a degree as an accountant, and let's say you did it in uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. when you graduate, maybe for the first five or 10 years while you're trying to get on your feet, when you when you get a job in your field or whatever your job is outside of college, it basically comes down to whatever the median salary for that person in that area of that career, the college will pay the difference. So if you're, if a normal person who's an accountant gets out of college in the first two years, they make $30,000 and the next two years, they on average make 40,000, you know, as it goes up, but if you come out and you're only making 20, the college would have to pay the $10,000 difference mm. on the student loans. Cause basically you, you were told you were going to get that education for that and you're not getting the payment for it. So I think that incentivizes instead of the people going to school to to do it uh it would incentivize the schools to be better educating the people that are going to school there because it forced them to stop allowing people to do stupid degrees you know Mm. like ballet dance for women's studies or something crap like that um because you know if if i get that degree and i take fifty thousand dollars of that and then i'm only gonna make twenty thousand dollars a year the school has to make up that difference you know what i'm saying Mm-hmm. So if the school has to make up that difference, they're not going to be teaching people those things because then they have to waste thirty thousand dollars of their own money. Mm-hmm. So it puts it directly into their pocket where they have to make the decision, or vice versa. If you go to, you know, um, 
whatever school and you become an accountant and they give you a shitty education and you get out and you can only get a job that's ten thousand dollars below whatever the market value of that degree is well that school then has to either make their teachers better or their program better Mm -hmm. or they have to lower the cost of their school Mm -hmm. so i feel like that would solve all the situations because then the incentive is no longer on the people in school to uh, the students to to make the best of it and the colleges just you know uh, uh, exploit that as much as possible it Mm -hmm. becomes an issue of the colleges themselves have to then control the education and the costs of the students they're supposed to be teaching um that to me is a basically the only way i've heard or I can think of that would be a fair way for student debt relief. Because, mm-hmm. um, for example, for me, if this was put into effect, I could go back to Robert Morris where I went to school and I could say, okay, this is what the average degree of you know someone my age outside of school for so long with this degree, this is what they should be making. Whatever the difference, if I'm making less than that, they have to forgive that, that debt, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also too i i went uh, vice versa if i'm making more then they don't have to forget that so there's an incentive for them to actually educate me and have me be successful outside of school i think that would make it a much better situation for everyone involved Hmm. what's interesting my some of my thoughts about that would be like what if you were to intentionally like try to sandbag you know take a lower paying job for you know, whatever the, 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 the stretch is in hopes that, that you would get a substantial portion of your debt forgiven and then maybe switch to a higher paying job. Well, I think you'd have to put it on a sliding scale. Like the math would have to get figured out in the sense of if you are your first year out of college, you're obviously not going to be making the same amount as your 10 years into your, your, your career. Mm-hmm. So like there'd have to be a sliding scale that shows like, progress towards whatever you're you're doing right mm-hmm. and i think it would also incentivize the schools to put extra investment in making sure you place yourself outside of schools mm-hmm. so if 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 i went to uh, again robert morris and i got into a degree doing something there would be incentive for them to either not allow me to go to school there if i wasn't performing or mm-hmm. maybe that that class i had which just was totally a thing where the teacher was totally checked out and just gave everyone a's because they didn't care like that can't be a thing anymore because mm-hmm. they don't cost the colleges money, right? So they'll mm-hmm. have to weed people out. It'll be no longer, it kind of like, you ever heard of Micro? He's the guy from mm-hmm. 30 Jobs. He talks mm-hmm. about all the time where college is a waste of money. Mm-hmm. If you want to make uh, $200,000 a year, you can go do it as a plumber or you mm-hmm. can go do it as a trade school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think by doing this, what my theory is on the way it would work, it would allow there's more value in not taking the direct school college route there would be other options you could take like mm-hmm. maybe become a tradesman of some nature right right mm-hmm. become instead of the dude who was just going to go to college because his mom said you have to go to college maybe he goes well wait if i do that and and let's say i rack up all this debt and the colleges won't forgive it because that's the other thing if i go to school and i do women's studies or something some major that doesn't make money i'm not in a school cost fifty thousand, and the average salary is thirty thousand. Right, I'm still going to be in debt because the average salary of the degree I got is thirty thousand. So then, me just going for the sake of going to college is no longer an option. It's mm-hmm. better. I will then have the because the simple math makes it. We're like, why am I going to risk having twenty thousand dollars in debt when I could go to trade school at that point, or I could go directly into the workforce at that point? You know, so it just like shifts the perspective of who's in control of the outcome. 
and it, and it puts more of the onus on non-students and on the schools again to kind of control costs and i i yeah. do i do agree with you i think the way forward to actually fixing the college issue is going to be through restricting or lowering costs on their end however it's going to be whether it's going to be refusing entry for low performing degrees like gender studies for example or um whether it'll be kind of like you said whether they're going to bear the bear the brunt but that's where the costs uh, needs to get shifted it needs to get shifted at least in part to the schools but right now they just know that the money's running free through the federal government so there's their their incentive is to make as much money as you can while the getting's good um inflate their prices because they know the government's going to keep lending money um, and there's really no incentive to, to lower prices at all yep and it would force them to focus on education which is another thing, right? Like I was just reading, I believe it was Harvard did something like we're now something like 65 or 70% of the people who work at Harvard are administrative and something mm -hmm. like 40% of them are, um, uh, in inclusion, diversity and equity, mm -hmm. um, administrative stuff. So like, like stuff that has nothing to do with education or anything Harvard should be involved with really. Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of makes it so like like you can't hire if you're if you're if there's an incentive to educate people so they're successful out of school you can't be hiring a bunch of float fluffy mm -hmm. bs jobs just to fill requirements from whatever right mm -hmm. like you can't do that because they go out of business there's no way around that um and it would put more competition on the teachers too because there would have to be a better education system because if a school hires a teacher where every student that comes out of it is making $10,000 less than whatever the local median is, well, that teacher's not going to last long because it's costing the school money. Yeah. So that teacher's either going to have to get better or they're going to have to get a new uh, new teacher or new curriculum or something, change something. Um, so these tenured people who've been doing it for 20 years who checked out, well, they're no longer going to be allowed to do that because mm -hmm. it costs the school money at that mm -hmm. point. And even if a student checks himself out, like I said, a student goes in and let's say the dad's a super rich person and just says, oh, no, I got you and I paid for a building or whatever at, at your school. You got in. Well, that kid, if he's not putting in the work, the school is not going to let him graduate. Mm -hmm. Because if he graduates and he's making less, then they have to then foot the bill for the rest of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, so the incentive then is to weed out all the people who don't want to be there or the low performers or or people who shouldn't be on that career path for different reasons. Um, it'll just help kind of move everything to a more equal, not equitable, but equal opportunity. So, and uh, my thoughts, uh, I think I wrote a piece on the student debt crisis probably last year sometime. Um, and my thoughts were towards fixing the student loan crisis would be to number one, first and foremost, stop government, uh, the majority, the vast majority of government uh, lending to most degrees. I, you know, if you still, if we, we could still give Pell grants, of course, to low, um, low income students uh, that show promise, uh, you know, academic promise to into going to college. But uh, my thoughts would be to maybe reduce loans to those whose field would would produce some sort of return on investment like um, a lot of the stem majors um, 
you know, medicine, medicine, engineering, stuff like that. The, like some of those sciences that will produce that the, that the, the country will actually benefit from and will produce, uh, like I said, a return on investment because there is money to be made in engineering and medicine and some of those other uh, other science, more scientific fields. And then we'll yeah, keep they'd the... have to trim the fat, right? Like mm -hmm. if you did it that way, they'd have to trim the fat. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it. Mm -hmm. So colleges would have to lower their prices because not everyone's getting a loan. So if you wanted to go to college for a fluffy degree, you can get a private loan uh, to go for that, which is of course going to be more expensive for the borrower, um, which in return means less people will be going to college which would mean if the, that the college would have to lower their prices in order to get more people in their doors. Because right now the current model is just, you know, get as many students in as you can. And if colleges are going to keep up that model, they're going to, they would have to uh, necessarily lower prices in order to, in order to be affordable and to keep their doors open. Yeah. It would actually go one step even further than that. Right. Because it wouldn't even be, you'd have to get a private loan to pay for the college the college is as invested financially into it as you are themselves, mm -hmm. right? Because there is a direct consequence if the college is not successful in educating you. Mm -hmm. So because the college has its own bank on the line, if you will, finance on the line, they have a huge incentive in you being successful mm -hmm. and making sure you're well-educated. They also have a huge incentive of not taking people in that shouldn't be in college right people that would be better in different careers um and they also have a huge incentive on not raising prices because if they know they have to foot the bill like if it if it actually costs forty thousand dollars a year for someone to go to school at a college but they're charging 60 well they'll stop charging 60 because the risk of them having to cover the extra bit is too high mm -hmm. so they would force them to lower the price just to cover the risk side of it um, and then also the schools, like I, I would imagine as time went on and teachers became a more, once this would be put into effect, a teacher that is successful or has a track record of everyone that goes through their program ends up getting placed in a good career and being successful in their career, a good teacher, those people will be celebrated, not because they're tenure and they've been there a while, but because their results mm -hmm. are actually results, right? So, so the incentive of like, it's just every incentive becomes pro the student and less pro the school mm -hmm. in every way, which is the way it should be. And, and even the aspect of not going to college, which is most people, 99% of people don't need to go to college. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'd even wager STEM is the only people that need to go to college, mm -hmm. right? Like that's it. If you want to be in the STEM or maybe in journalism or some of the other stuff like that, um, but like most of the degree I, I would I would be one I would wonder if this ever took effect how many degrees got dropped by each college like would mm -hmm. it go down by 50 percent right mm -hmm. like I bet it would be some drastic number like 50 percent of degrees got dropped like they just don't exist anymore mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely because you know you know that those degrees are there um you know I went to a uh more way more conservative college so we didn't have any of the the like the liberal fluff degrees like gender studies like you know underwater basket weaving feminist dance or yeah, anything like that yeah. <laughs> but you could you could graduate with um a degree in worship for example like to be a worship leader in in a, a church which is for the most in most churches around the united states is an unpaid position 
Mm, okay. That, that's just something you volunteer for. Like you don't, you absolutely don't need a degree for that. And same yeah. with um, like youth ministry, for example. You could get, a, you could actually major in youth ministry. Once again, a position at most churches that is volunteer. So yeah, these students were taking on debt to, and would, in theory, most of them probably never be able to pay it off. Yep. The other thing too is so the same example. So let's say it's a youth ministry thing, um, mm -hmm. like you were mentioning. In that case, let's say it was a paid position, like the average salary, let's say because it's just youth ministry, let's say it's twenty thousand dollars a year. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like minimum that's like minimum wage, pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, if that's the case, that same school will have to charge a different amount per degree. Mm -hmm. Meaning if someone goes to that school to be a doctor, obviously doctors make more than twenty thousand dollars a year, even straight out of school. Mm -hmm. So the school will be able to charge more to go through the doctorate program, which mm -hmm. makes sense because a doctor's a more educated field than a youth minister mm -hmm. just by definition you have to know more things to be a doctor mm -hmm. than you do just technically right mm -hmm. but they can't it, it doesn't mean they'll necessarily get rid of the degree for the youth ministry they just can no longer charge the same amount it would cost to become a youth minister as it does to become a doctor uh, because uh, the incentive doesn't allow them to do that in your in your plan, what would what would happen um, like if you didn't get a degree? Like, would you get any loan forgiveness? Uh, that's a good question. I would, off the cuff, I would say it would depend on the school and the program you're in. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think, like, I think it's a shared thing. So, like, when you go to school there, you have to be under an agreement with the college. So, let's just use uh, Robert Morris again. If I go there for school. I have to, while I'm getting accepted there, the school needs to vet me as someone who's actually interested in going to school there. Mm -hmm. Right. I would imagine some of it gets forgiven if I don't graduate. Um, if I just drop out, also some of it's on me. So maybe mm -hmm. it's like, uh, like I do think you have to pay for it yourself. So it's not like the school is paying for it outright because mm -hmm. there has to be an incentive for you to stay in school and be successful at it. So if I'm the student, maybe it's $30,000 a year to go to Robert Morris to do uh, political whatever and um let's say i'm into it i want to do it i do it for two years and i quit just for out of my own free will well i'm still out of pocket for that money so i still owe it mm -hmm. because i made a commitment i said i was going to do it and i didn't do it mm -hmm. now if i stuck it through and i end up so i'm you know uh, 120,000 dollars in debt we'll say if it's four years um and i get through and then i'm below whatever the medium wage is then I still have to pay it back, still paying back to college, but mm -hmm. they have to make up the difference between the minimum and the other. So mm -hmm. vice versa, if I if it's a political degree or whatever, and let's say instead of making below minimum wage, I'm making thirty thousand dollars or more. It's not like I would chart like I'd have to owe more. I just have to pay back the loans like normal because mm -hmm. I'm making the income to do it. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Because right. I I'm just wondering because you know they're talking about almost half of student loan borrowers don't have a degree so it's like you know it'd be interesting to see which percent what percentage of those who don't have a degree is due to some sort of financial hardship or like familiar familiar hardship where they had to drop out for health reasons that were either theirs or a loved ones or whatever versus like um those who failed out you know i knew someone who the class had three exams he only went to school twice so you do he only went to class twice so you do the math he missed one exam uh, failed the class, failed out, and I just don't think it'd be fair for an electrician who 
chose to do his trade um you know was trying to was being a little bit more fiscally responsible and is now a successful electrician why that debt is now transferred to him yeah yeah the current way they're doing it that's risk, right correct so what, what i'm talking about i think would be the the incentive is the colleges then no longer want to bring in that person who's just going to be there and then they take the because right now if you're the dude who goes to college and you're just going to sit in your dorm room and go to class once a quarter and and then the rest of the time you're just going to party and drink like that person no longer can go to college because the colleges won't won't allow them to go there because there's a cost tool to that dude being there we're now currently that dude goes to college parties his butt off that kid pays the money to be there college is like i don't really care sure stay you're paying me why would i get rid of you mm -hmm. right or if you do it the other way the college is going to try to there's going to be at the vetting process on the colleges end to mm -hmm. vet out people who they think would do that right kind of like ncaa football or basketball or whatever right like they, they're vetting out people who will make it through the program because they want to have people who are successful in the program mm -hmm. um and then also vice versa too is that kid whose mom or dad said no you have to go to college i don't care if you don't want to go to college you just want to become a you know electrician or whatever i don't care if you want just go you have to get four-year degree doesn't matter it's good for you that's no longer going to be a thing mm -hmm. right there's going to be these the people who want to do it they're going to be like because there's such a barrier to entrance now uh mm -hmm. under under that new system where they're going to be like well no there's no longer worth me doing that i can just go get an electrician's degree or i can go to a two-year tech school Right. And even on the university's ends, like uh, like you're saying, the university on their end would want to keep those kind of students out because they don't want to have to foot that bill. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be an incentive on that end to not let those, maybe even have those start degrees up for electricians, right? Maybe uh, maybe Yale decides they want to have an electrician program because there's money. Because mm -hmm. that's true. Like if you get a two-year degree, usually you make more money right off the bat than most people who go to a four-year degree. Just because there's a massive need for people who do trades right now. Mm -hmm. There's a huge short of people who do trades, mm -hmm. which if you ever want to listen to a good podcast, Mike Bro has one where he talks about that dirty jobs guy. He talks about the trades. He's all, he's all anti-college go to the trades and he's a good one. If you're ever interested in that, no, I good think one to listen to. I think that would be a good one to listen to. Cause I, I agree. I think college is a waste of money for a lot for yeah, maybe 50 at least 50 percent maybe even up to 70 80 percent of all the majors you don't need uh some sort of four-year bachelor's degree for and i think um, yeah. pushing people into that when you have good trades is uh good money to be made in trades and especially when we have such a shortage of those in trades just seems silly and um yeah. this issue just keeps perpetuating itself too because now if everyone gets a bachelor's we'll now the bachelor's degree is the is equivalent to a, uh, your high school diploma so now everyone need now to stand out you need your master's and then it'll just happen the same thing now everyone has to get their master's and now everyone has to get their doctorate and then they're gonna have to create something above doctorate to help distinguish people from one another um we will be right back we're actually going to take a little break right here we'll hear a word from our sponsor of this episode anchor so we're going to transition away from the student loan crisis. Now, we were talked about that being a big part of the Democrats' plan for the midterms, despite the fact they don't really have a plan, you know, this convenient political timing. So I want to transition a little bit to 
the what their actual plans for the midterms are. So we both live and uh, frequent swing states, and we got Arizona, Pennsylvania, a little bit of Georgia. So what what have you seen a lot in terms of political ads in these in you know in these states? Yeah, political ads. Well, luckily, I have I'm pretty smart when it comes to media and consuming it. Mm-hmm. I do not have cable. I do not watch local news. I do not watch uh, national news. I don't have any social media. Um, so I've been able to steer clear of a lot of it. Um, not saying that around me, it's been a lot of Fetterman versus Oz, mm-hmm. um, which is a really bizarre race because Fetterman is having you know he had a stroke in the middle of it, which. For any politician would be holy crap this dude had a stroke and he's running for senate mm-hmm. for some reason we can't talk about that so it's like pretend that never happened type deal which is an interesting like why wouldn't you replace him if you're a democrat i don't quite understand that strategy just like sweep it under the rug and it brings up another point that every a lot of democrats are doing which is kind of alarming is he refuses to debate mm-hmm. just refuses just flat out says i won't debate oz I, was, um, I think he finally agreed to have one, but it's like after uh, after early voting happens, so people will already cast the vote before they get to hear what he says. That's interesting. Stage. That's that's really convenient for him. I was wondering if he ever agreed to debate Oz. Last I had heard, he he was saying that he wasn't. Um, we're seeing the exact same thing here in uh, in Arizona with our governor, the, our governor race, the Democratic candidate for governor is refusing to debate the Republican candidate. Not that that's necessarily new for the Democratic candidate, uh, Katie Hobbs. She refused to debate in her primary as well. So obviously it's, she's either ashamed of her policies. I can't really think of something of a reason why you wouldn't debate. Uh, The reason she keeps putting forth is that you, that it would be a circus, that if she were to debate Carrie Lake, it would be an absolute circus. Uh, she's not gonna. She's above that. She's not gonna get drawn into that, which is interesting for me to hear, because you think a circus would make you look better. You know, if if one candidate's gonna absolutely make it a crap show and you are able to rise above it, you think that would swing people into your favor. I guess she's she's not thinking that. Yeah, and I think if you if any of your listeners really really, I would say the one thing they should take from this kind of aspect of it is. Um, if the person you are relying on for like running stuff like you're voting on, they're not willing to explain their ideas, you probably shouldn't vote for them because who mm-hmm. knows what they're going to do, right? They could change your mind halfway through and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I, I think Katie Hobbs' refusal to debate lends into her, lends into like a lot of transparency issues. I have a hard time Um I hope that, you know, Arizonans have a hard time voting for someone who really hasn't been in the public eye or only allows herself to be in the public eye when there are no, when she's not fielding any questions, when she's on friendly mainstream media, she, she's refused. I've seen in videos of her refusing to talk to Arizona voters. Project Veritas had a great video where she went running, literally spilled her, her drink, um, left it there for the poor restaurant people to clean up and then lock herself in a bathroom. So that like, that's our, that that is who you want to be your your governor yeah it's important to realize these these people are not like the messiah they're not some super genius people that went to school that's going to fix all your problems there's nothing special about them compared to you could run anybody you can run there's no difference 
-hmm. right? So the idea that this person is uh, any elected official is going to be Lord and Savior. Uh, everyone should wash that out of their heads. And the reason I say that is because if this, if they're not willing to debate their ideas, you should immediately cast them out of the vote. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you agree with the Republican or Democrat or whatever, if they're not willing to explain what they believe in and they want to run shit, like you shouldn't, they shouldn't be having even be in the candidacy. No, absolutely. They're not willing to talk about it. Absolutely. And she had, I a mean, whole, that's the whole point, right? She, she had a whole big thing about her. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I love transparency. I'm, I'm committed to being transparent, but it's like you, you refuse to, to talk about your ideas. Um, so you are smart. You're a lot smarter than I am. You are not in politics or local news or stuff like that. I am unfortunately the uh, degenerate uh, that follows mm. kind of that stuff. I watch a lot of YouTube. So I'm just getting slammed by uh, political ads right now. Right now I'm taking a lot of it on the chin as long as these Democrats are wasting their sp their ad money on trying to convince me to vote for them. I figure, you know, that's money wasted on their end. So I will, I'll, I'll save all of my listeners, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to single-handedly de deplete their, uh, their war chests, but uh, all their ads seem to really be targeting the Republicans, making the Republicans seem re uh, really evil. A lot of it is, you know, Carrie Lake is too dangerous for Arizona. Blake Masters too dangerous for Arizona um, instead of, and it's been an interesting transition that I've watched because Mark Kelly, the, the Democratic senator, who's the incumbent here uh, in 2020 and 2021, was running ads saying how much how his policies were helping Arizonans. It's interesting because I don't see a single one of those ads running now. He can't run these ads anymore because it's, I think it's quite clear through his policies failures, which are actually clearly foreseen economic consequences of his poor decisions costing Arizona's money. So I think that's interesting that the Democrats are really standing on nothing um, to try to win this election. They're not trying to go on their past two years of success. Because remember, the Democrats have been in control for the past two years. They've had majority in the Senate, House, and they have the presidency and they have nothing to show for it. Yeah, and that's why they don't want to debate, right? Is because they have an entire machine behind them that can spin whatever web they want. They don't have to be able to. They don't have to be able to explain what they want to do or explain why everything's, you know, in the crapper with inflation mm -hmm. and stuff. They don't have to. Just like Biden doesn't have to. I mean, look at some of the gaslighting coming out of the uh, White House. I mean, it's just mind-boggling that that these fact checkers that are so great at their job, you know, suddenly took a day off whenever he says something. It's like. Mm -hmm. like just blatant lies too it's not even like it's a fib it's like just blatantly lied um and then if there's a good example too where i think a lot of people are aware democrat wise where if they go up they can't defend what the president do, is doing they can't defend what these policies are or what they want the policies to be or when they say um you know carrie uh, you said it's carrie lake right mm-hmm yeah, so when they say she's the world's worst person and she's, you know, the devil incarnated, if you ask them, okay, explain why, they can't do it. Because mm -hmm. all they want to do is fear monger you into saying, like, because it's true. If you were to tell me, if I vote for this person, this person's the devil. If I vote for her, then I'm voting for the devil. Well, I'm not going to vote for the devil. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Right? Mm -hmm. like, give, give you some stuff. Yeah, right? So, like, if that's all, but if I don't have to explain myself, which, first of all, if anybody ever tells you that, 
you should first say, okay, explain to me why. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle on. Just number one is be curious. I'm curious if I hear like uh, um, any democratic point of view or or policy, I almost always look to see, you know, okay, who came up with this? What are they thinking and why are they thinking? Mm-hmm. And I, I go into it with the mindset of, I want to change my mind and agree with this. Mm-hmm. I usually don't because I have what about my own thought process on things, which is what you get as you get older and grow and mature. But I always go with the mindset of, ooh, a smart person came up with this and this is an idea they're having, or a person came up with it and this is a, I should find out more about this and see if maybe it's something I'm interested in. Maybe this is a good idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just the reason I'm conservative is because 99% of the time I've found that it's not a good idea <laughs> whenever mm-hmm. I've looked up like democratic policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a good example is uh, of, of the, the BS that gets spewed and the reason Democrats aren't going to debate or, or holding the debates for as long as possible um, or holding from doing them for as long as possible is uh, J.D. Vance, which is running for, I believe, Senate seat in Ohio. He recently had a debate with his uh, with the person he's running against and the person he's running against thought he had an I got you moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but the guy goes, J.D. Vance is so against abortion where he would not allow. There was apparently a girl that was like 14, I think, or something like that mm-hmm. in Ohio who got raped by an illegal immigrant mm-hmm. and had to get an abortion. And the mm-hmm. left totally leaned into it like Republicans wouldn't even let this girl get an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, like totally leaned, like everyone in the country that was uh, Democrat leaned into it like like, look how evil these people are. They won't even let this girl who was raped by an elite boy. Well, so he pulled that up in the debate stage and he literally looked over at J.D. Vance and said, this guy is so extreme where he wouldn't even allow a 14-year-old girl who was raped to get an abortion. Mm. And J.D. Vance, this is why they won't debate Republicans because J.D. Vance said what I, I hope they got all conservatives would do in this situation. Is he looked them straight in the eyes and said, first off, I, that is not my point of view. I've said my point of view and then he explained it. He said, I always think in extreme situations, like a 14-year-old girl who gets raped by an illegal immigrant should be able to get an abortion, mm-hmm. which is what 99% of people who are pro-life say. Mm-hmm. Yes. In extreme situations like this that are one-offs, mm-hmm. that are terrible, mm-hmm. yes, that is something that should be medically allowed, mm-hmm. right? Which is the right answer. But then he even took it one step further, and this is what makes this video so great. He goes, but let's talk about that situation. Because this illegal immigrant was let in because of your policies. Mm-hmm. This person, if you would have done your job, would have never even been here to rape the girl to begin with. Mm-hmm. Which is the right thing to do because they, they like to play these little games with you where they want to switch things around so you're the bad guy or take something and switch it around. And then they use these word traps to try to get you where then no longer are you talking about illegal immigration or this, but you're talking on these nuances of these one-off situations that are super extreme that are horrible and you can't get away from it because you have to be sympathetic toward this horrible thing because we were all sympathetic toward this horrible thing, mm-hmm. right? Well, J.D. Vance, this is why, I don't know, I mean, I mean, no, he's a trade lawyer, so he's probably a pretty smart dude, but this is where the brilliant part of it was, he goes, well, wait a minute, let's talk about, we don't want people to get raped, right? Especially 14 year girls. Why did you let this legal alien in? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you deport him? Mm-hmm. Which is the right answer. It's not, see, see that's, that's a smart move because that's a Democrat's answer if it would have been switched roles. Mm-hmm. So it was smart because he turned it around on them, which is something that conservatives historically have been terrible at. 
So yeah. seeing someone do it was quite rewarding. Oh, and what I like what uh, what Carrie Lake's doing. Um, you know, because she's kind of being slammed by the leftist media, like, oh, you know, abortion this, abortion that, and she's like, you know, you guys talk a lot of game about you know what my policies are, how popular they are or not. But let's talk about my opponent. Let's talk about, you know, let's flip the script. Let's talk about Katie Hobbs here. You know, someone who wants abortion up to and including the point of birth, which is vastly unpopular amongst most Americans. You know, like you said earlier, majority of Americans, particularly on abortion, approve of some ban, you know, but but timing is generally where a lot of people disagree. And you know what? You guys can absolutely take that up to the states that you guys reside in and hash those details out. But I think it's a good it was good for her to flip the script because this because her radical Katie Hobbs's radical view on abortion um, is not popular amongst Americans either, especially. And and that's what needs to be get. That's what needs to get said. That's I think would be a good winner for Republicans, you know unrestricted access to abortion up to and including the time of birth is not popular amongst americans and that's what the democrats want yeah the only worry i have with that is and this is not about the abortion side of it but about the midterm sides what carrie lake's doing and she's doing it right too just like judy vance is but some republicans are doing it the old school way and and my only worry with that is is if there's how many people live in the united states that are voters right uh mm -hmm. 100 million so. people maybe yeah, i think so. 200, 200 million people yeah something like that right we'll just say 150 million people all those people do not watch the news or have the nuance that you and i have mm -hmm. so when they see this person like they're not even going to watch the debate, the debate or reverse that they they may only get the info they need for the candidate they want to vote for from a debate stage mm -hmm. so if that debate doesn't happen where do they get their info on who they're going to vote for they get it from these shock and awe moments on the media. Mm -hmm. If there's nine media companies out there and eight of them are in the pocket of one side, mm -hmm. what are the odds you're going to see the side for Democrat versus the side for conservative? Mm -hmm. Right? So if you put it towards a reasonable person, which this is reasonable, if I'm busy doing, you know, running a small business or something like that, I don't have time to keep up with the news. If all I'm hearing is how these people are going to, kill everyone that comes around you or 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 they're trying to do all these horrible horrific things i'm gonna be like well hell i'm not voting for that person mm -hmm. and then i'm not going to educate myself either because i'm too busy or i don't have the time i'm trusting what these institutions are supposed to be trusted to tell me mm -hmm. now the good news is is these institutions have shot, shot themselves in the foot so much where more and more people are being like wait a minute maybe i should look at this mm -hmm. My fear is the strategy they have is that it's not going to work. Like, I don't think it's as in the bag as people say it is for conservatives. Mm. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's black and white. Like, we're going to sweep the House and the Senate like people think. Um, just because I don't think people have the time, especially now with inflation and all that stuff. Like, there's too many other things on their plate to worry about than to look into the minutia of all these details and, and stuff like that. Good news is inflation typically is um, something like this. The whoever's in charge, it's a referendum on them. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think it's absolutely not in the bag. You know, conservatives have a lot of groundwork to do. But, you know, where Biden is right now, he's about he's as popular as Trump was during his presidency, which is to say, which is, I think, saying a lot.
um, you know, Biden constantly being puffed up by the media. Uh, and we saw we saw the House hmm. flip under. Tr uh, we saw the House flip. We saw I think Trump lost like three to five Senate seats, something like that. Um, so we could be in for a shock. Will there be shenanigans? I don't know, and I don't want to say. But um, you know, the well, most. That's the other scary thing with the midterms, right? Is historically too. Mm -hmm. um or at least compared to the 2020 election there there was some shady stuff that happened with laws and in my state of pennsylvania they never change those laws back mm -hmm. so some of the laws that were unconstitutionally based off the not the u.s constitution but the pennsylvania constitution they changed voting laws unilaterally without the support of anyone other than the guy who runs pennsylvania the governor who is a democrat mm -hmm. so of course things were changed in their favor and my worry is that happened in a lot of states. None mm -hmm. of most of those states did not change their laws back, mm -hmm. which means that those things that are blatantly unconstitutional in favor of, of uh, Democrats are still in place. So it gives them a, already an advantage to going mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then some states did change it. Now, what happened to those states that went in and said, wait a minute, all this stuff that happened because of COVID in 2020 and changed the election, we're going to move it back and change it you remember those states that did that yeah they got called I, Jim I Crow 2.0 yeah, i remember atlanta uh, georgia did it and i think they i don't think anyone really was upset with them were they oh yeah. wait that's right it was jim crow 2.0 that's right so i mean it just and, and that's like uh, going back to the like stuff like that drives me nuts because it's the common sense tells you that it's all bullshit mm -hmm. it's just all it's all bs like jim crow 2.0 i mean really you're gonna compare that but here's the thing a lot of people i think look at that it's and they, they just say i don't have time to look into it i'm just going to trust this source mm -hmm. because i've trusted them in the past new york times they're legit they've been around 100 years i'll trust them mm -hmm. and that that's what worries me is 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 that it's like um i don't trust polls i don't read the news or I, I do read the news i don't watch the news i don't watch local news i don't have social media but i do read news and i do look at polls and polls are so untrustworthy nowadays mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's gonna be interesting no doubt I mean, about it i think it'll be interesting i think it's gonna be a little bit better than we perhaps think but um you know i i am definitely guilty of looking at polls you know even though they've been incredibly wrong in the past and still continue to be incredibly wrong um you know i like to give most of the polls i look at like a two or three point democrat bias at least yeah um, yeah which I think will make um, which will make things interesting in November. But I saw something on Twitter that was particularly interesting to me. A lot of these states, the the Republican governor is almost the runaway favorite, yet the Senate race, the national Senate race is super close or even favoring Democrats. So that to me, I think automatically seems a little suspicious. But maybe the Senate candidates are super unpopular. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, that's hard to say. Because, I mean, it's kind of like the Fetterman thing in Pennsylvania. It's like, I mean, half of that, too, is like picking a crappy candidate. Like, mm -hmm. sure, Oz is a, Oz, is Oz, right? Going against Fetterman. But, like, that's the best he could do was a dude who was a doctor on TV. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Yeah. Really? There's not, like, a lawyer or someone who's been in politics locally. Like, Fetterman, remember, he's been in politics. I actually interviewed him for a documentary, like, 10 years ago maybe even more than 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's been doing it a long freaking time. Mm -hmm. 
and the best the conservatives could come up with was a reality TV show doctor. Like, yeah, it's, nothing against the guy. He's probably a smart dude, and he seems to be conservative. But I mean, it's just like it's shocking that that's the best they could come up with. Especially because Fetterman's so weak. Like in theory, I well, think Pennsylvania I mean, could be a runaway granted, state. Granted, I hope the guy's healthy. Yeah, I mean, granted, I hope the guy's healthy. But having a stroke in the middle of a campaign and then just pretending it never happened, mm-hmm. like it's mind-boggling that that's reality. Yeah. And I think like, here in Arizona, Kelly's, like, Kelly's a weak candidate, but he, you know, the Republican candidate's kind of struggling against him as well. Just because, yeah. And and how much of that's BS to like just media, like polls and all that crap, right? Yeah. Where, where it's not actually struggling. Yeah. No. There's there's a there's vest. I mean, that is true. Election subversion strategy is to is to um, uh, demotivate the voting the voting populace and you know that and that can be done through polls or like you know um you know because if it's like oh man there's no way my candidate's gonna win i'm not gonna vote for him you know yeah. or i'm not trump i'm not did even that to himself to uh for the senate candidate mm-hmm. remember trump did it to himself for a senate candidate in 2020 mm-hmm. and he said it's a fraud they sold the election there's no reason to even go out and vote and everyone was like wait what are you saying no go out and vote in yeah. the runoff election what do you don't tell him not to do this yeah like, yeah like, he was stupid enough so I yeah I'm, I'm hoping the election rhetoric doesn't hurt Republicans. Republicans are like, oh, I'm not gonna go out and vote. No, if you're listening to this show, everyone listening to the show, go out and vote. I've all, I've said that since always, forever and always. Get out and vote. Yeah, it's almost like um, I was thinking about this the other day. This might totally just be analytical thing I was thinking about, but there was uh, when when Hillary Clinton was running for election. If you remember, it was a 99.9% chance she was going to win. Mm-hmm. And then it was a shock when Trump came through and got it. How much of that shock, how much of that win was people who were so sure Hillary Clinton was going to win, they didn't go out to vote? That might, it could have been a large portion. Definitely. It's like, uh, oh, yeah. she's got I this mean, in the bag. She's got that in the bag. I'm not going to vote. Yeah. Why would you? If there's a 99.9% chance, why would you spend an hour waiting in line to vote? Mm-hmm. Right, I I probably wouldn't. If you told me uh, I could go vote, but the candidate I'm voting for has a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning, well, I'm probably not going to wait an hour in mm-hmm. line to do it and waste my day. Mm-hmm. Right. So how much of that was was that? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I wonder if it, it seems like that's their strategy too, or at least mm-hmm. the media, the subversion part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't worry about voting for Senate, you know, you know, because the Democrat candidates are going to run away, away with it. But I, I have a I have a hard time thinking that you're going to show up because like all these places have governors to vote for, too. So like you're going to show up, you're going to vote for your governor, you're not going to vote for the senator. I don't know. Not to me. I have, I have a hard time thinking like, you know, like you said, I wait an hour in line. I might as well vote for everybody on the ballot. Yeah, here's another crazy thing I found out the other day, which which I probably just because I don't um, watch watch the news, I didn't realize this. But uh, some of the biggest financiers for conservative, like the extreme conservative candidates, were Democrats. Yeah, <laughs> which is bizarre. Yeah, right? and their their strategy, which I don't know how this is a good strategy. Their strategy was 
um, these people are so extreme. Let's get them elected in the primary so we can run against them. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why would you want it? What if you lose? You yeah. say these people are Nazis, but you want to put a Nazi in power because you want to run against them? Mm-hmm. It's I don't def- understand it's, that. It's definitely dangerous. I mean, uh, my dad sent me an article about that. Uh, and I, I, I flipped through and a lot. I mean, it seemed like for the most part, the strategy didn't pay off. It seemed like, well, I mean, honestly, for Democrats, you don't need to outspend to get bad candidates. You just need to wait for Trump to to endorse them in some cases. Well, that's the weird part, right, is what what's the argument? Because the, the referendum is not going to be per candidate. At this point, it's all about inflation and the economy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they just want change. You know, people are just going to want change to change sake so things get better. I just think, you know. I just think it's short-sightedness. It's like, oh, because, but then it's true. What happens if they win and what happens if they get elected? So now this person that you, that in your eyes and the Democrats eyes is way too conservative or way too far right is now ruling over you. It's definitely not a for sure strategy. It looks like it's worked a little bit in the past from what I could gather from the article, but definitely not a for sure strategy. Well, it always makes me think the people I want to make those kind of, because these are decisions that could affect uh, your life. I want them to be pretty well educated and have pretty good integrity. If someone's willing mm-hmm. to do that, they, they don't have any integrity. They're lacking integrity if they're willing to 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 put money towards a candidate that they don't like because they think it'll be easy to win. I mean, it's morally pretty abusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely, it's definitely scummy. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it's ever stopped the Democrats before. <laughs> no, and in their defense, it hasn't stopped any political person of any party. Oh, I mean, yeah. Scummy, scummy scummy, and politics go together like a hand in a glove. Yeah, absolutely. Hand in hand. Yeah. I definitely think it'll be a very, very interesting mid midterm season. I'm looking forward to voting on Election Day um, with my state required voter id as a like a good little noodle um like a good citizen so really looking yep. forward to that thank you so much mark for coming on it's always a pleasure yeah to talk i'll with just you. say one more thing one more thing and i just watched this the other day two thousand mules if you haven't seen it it's a pretty wild movie go watch it it uh has some questions like two thousand mules well, that'll be interesting. I'll, I don't think I've even seen it, so I'll just sit down and watch it. So, all right, 2,000 Mules, add it to your watch list. Um, also, make, make sure to keep up with Big Red. We're still we're still here. We're still coming yeah. out yeah. with with poignant, poignant political conversations. All right, thanks so much, Mark. This is Big Red signing out for the Big Red for America show. See you all next time. See ya. Thanks. If you want to see more from the Big Red from America team, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Getter, and Parler. Once again, this is Big Red signing off for the Big Red for America show, where the opinions are always right and the facts are always cited.